pun is still relevant because type. Yes, and he's but, a printer. Um, yes, I get yeah. that. But but it, there's no evidence to suggest that he invented anything. None. None. You lied to me. It's basically what it is. Bugger. This episode of Tales from the Pig Shed is brought to you by Blandfields Farm, eh? Vegans, <laughs> come on down to Blandfields and lick a pig for a bargain price of £2.50. Second lick, half price, eh? Hello. Hello, and welcome to the Pig Shed. Prize-worthy stories from the wallows of the fens. Today's podcast, one blue plaque from the historical streets of Norwich, inspiring two stories, one from Shay. And one from Tim. He's Tim, by the way. Thank you, Shay. You're welcome. What's today's plaque? Today's plaque can be found on the corner of Dove Street and Pottergate, and it tells us of a chap called Anthony de Solempne. For all our Dutch listeners, my apologies for any mispronunciation. He was a Dutch spice and wine merchant who fled religious persecution on the continent with his family, and he came here as one of the strangers of Norwich, who we talked about in our last podcast. He became the first printer in Norwich, as in one who prints rather than an actual printing machine. In fact, he was the first printer in England outside of London, so... Ten points to him. He started off printing mostly religious texts in Dutch, but later on he printed materials in English too, including execution broadsides, which were pamphlets containing details of lawbreakers and their crimes for use at public executions. That's a bit like getting a programme at a football match. Yes, but with more death. Unless it's Norwich versus Ipswich. Yes, carnage, mate. Anyway, on to the stories. Shay, would you like to kick us off? This is a story about a printing press, so it should be treated with caution. Words look true when they are stamped in ink on paper. This is also a story about people, which is another reason to tread carefully. So it's a spring evening in 1577, in case you were wondering. A lone rider clatters down a cobbled street. Rats stir in dark corners. The shops on Dove Street are shuttered all except for one. In the print shop, John works by candlelight, inky to the elbow, frowning over the print block. He lines up the small, cold letters into backwards rows. Behind him on the table sit 500 blank sheets of rough paper, waiting to receive the words he has assembled. The candles gutter as the shop door opens. All but two flames are extinguished. We're closed, says John, into the sudden darkness. He looks up, and by the dim remaining light sees a woman, young, just a girl really, wrapped in a cloak and watching him. He shivers in the draught from the door, and as it slams he notices the girl is very beautiful. You don't appear closed, she says. We are, says John. It is only that I must finish this in time for tomorrow's execution. The girl looks at the rows of words on the print block. The hanging. Then it is a piece of luck that I came when I did. Why is that, asks John. Tell me what it says, says the girl. You can buy the broadside tomorrow if you go down to the castle, he says. The girl comes closer. I knew the man, she says. I knew him. I cannot go to watch. I will never sleep easy again if I do. But I must know what you have written about him. Do you see? John does not know the man who is to be hung. He knows only what he has been told to print. The man was formerly a butcher in a busy street nearby. Now he is a murderer. And on Friday he will be dead. He feels suddenly sorry for the pale girl watching him in the feeble light. So he reads her the text. The account of the crime. The character of the criminal. The details of the victim's sharp and untimely end. There is one part that mentions a woman seen with the man on the night of the murder. When he is finished, the girl asks him to read this part again, and he does so. She is silent for a moment. Then she says, Take it out. John says it's not his decision what gets printed and what does not. He asks her why she wants him to do this. 
They stand together over the print block with its words woven backwards. She tells him, people talk. People know that she knew this man. They may know that she ran into him on the night in question. She is 16, unmarried. Who will touch her if she is tarred by the same brush as a murderer? She is looking at John with an intensity that feels like assault. He rubs his inky hands together, cracks his sore knuckles. What will you lose if you remove those few words, she says. All of the bloody parts are there. That is what people want when they buy it, isn't it? John tells her that if he is discovered, he may lose his apprenticeship. His master will not tolerate any meddling with the truth. The girl smiles, a shy smile with just a glint of teeth. John has a sister, though she is tall and talkative and not at all alike to this dark, staring waif. He can feel the gears of his conscience grinding. I won't tell a soul, says the girl. So John removes her description, carefully replacing each letter in the appropriate drawer and closing up the empty space that's left. When he's done, the girl says, thank you. She pauses at the door. I trust that we shall have no cause to cross paths again, but if we do, I know where to find you. John is inexplicably glad when she is gone. The sun comes out on Friday for the execution, as do people in their loud hundreds. John sees his printed pamphlets dotted here and there, scrunched in fists and hammered against fence posts. A drum beats. The crowd roars like a spring storm as the murderer is led out, blindfold and shivering. When asked for his last words, he gives none. John watches as the man goes like a lamb up onto the gantry. He doesn't resist when the noose is placed around his neck. John finds it hard to believe that the trembling hands of this sorry figure took another man's life. He thinks about his visitor last night. That smile. He thinks, half-joking, now she... She would have had the steel for it. He ponders this, as the trapdoor clunks open and the rope drops taut. A bit haunting at the end there, Shay. Thank you. No, that's all right. I like to haunt occasionally. Yeah, a great illustration of Norfolk's rich history of journalism. Ah, oh, well, it's funny you should mention that, because not only did Norwich have the first printer outside of London, we also had the first regional paper. We did indeed. Yes, which was essential for reporting all of the crucial happenings across the county. Brilliant. I, I love Norfolk headlines. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like, dun 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 This is the Pigshed Post at noonish on a day, possibly in 2015. Over to you, Tim. Thank you, Shay. Today's headline, Heron sighted. Large lorry negotiates tight bend. Castle under attack from pigeons. Man, tasered after laundry basket standoff. Runaway cows shot dead by armed police. Seagull makes off with fish and chip platter, local man left outraged and hungry. The land dispute between the people of East Anglia and the North Sea remains ongoing. Residents are advised to move to Derbyshire or invest in inflatable furniture. Black shuck sighting turns out to be poodle in fancy dress. Local woman's imaginary friend fails to materialise at a pub. Imaginary friend? What are you talking about? Well, Oz didn't turn up, did he? Yeah, he did. I bought him a drink. No, Shay, you're making this up. No, I'm not, mate. We were there all night. I was, I was there till closing. He, he, he no, wasn't there. No, you there. weren't. No, you left at 10 to 11. He yeah, literally closing. He came in the back as you went out the front and then the landlord locked the doors and we had a lock in all night. It was great. You uh, missed it. Rubbish. I'm sorry you made the bad choice by going home to bed. <sighs> Let's get back to the studio. We are in the studio. All right, well, fine. Let's get back to the stories. Couldn't agree more. <clears throat> Daniel's eyelids fought to stay apart. He'd been staring at his laptop screen for an age and redrafting the same sentence for an eternity. There was nothing now that could stop the press of gentle darkness. Wham. Ouch. Daniel lifted his face off his keyboard 
The third paragraph of his job application now described him as having excellent communication skills, both verbal and... 898. He held down backspace and cursed his lot. One more proofread, then print it, then bed. No job was worth this hassle. Actually, a lot of jobs probably were worth this hassle, just not this job. Admin assistant at an agency which didn't have an email address. How do you exist in the 21st century without email? Stupid. Still, maybe that means less people will apply, so he had more, a bit more of a chance. He hoped so. Much more time spent on benefits, and he'd either die of boredom or just regular starvation. Regards, Daniel Hale. Proofread done, good. Control S, good. Control P, nothing. The little green power light on his printer was blinking. Control P, nothing. Left click printer icon, nothing. Left fist slam violently into printer. Bruised knuckles, stinging pain, nothing. You useless piece of trash. The second I have any money, I'm dumping you. Daniel hit it again for good measure. Ow. Now he'd have to get up early and go print this at the library before his doll meeting. Fine. USB stick, save as, safely eject device. Shut laptop, turn off printer, and go to bed. Maybe take the laptop too. One more episode of BSG couldn't hurt. In the dark, as Daniel slept, the printer's little power light flickered into life. Red. The machine's gears began to whir, turn, and tick as paper was drawn into its waiting jaws. Daniel was up late. He'd snoozed his alarm twice and then thrown it in the linen basket the third time. Now he was rushing just to get to the job centre on time. Forget the application. This probably meant getting sanctioned, which meant being even more bored and a lot more hungry. Perhaps he could become some kind of enlightened hermit through all that weight. What was that on the printer? His application. Three copies. That meant he could give one to the doll to prove he was looking for work. He'd have to run so he could drop it off at the agency first. As the front door slammed shut, the printer's little red eye blinked open. It clicked malevolently as it drew in another sheet of paper. Daniel was cheerful when he left the job centre, even a little smug. He was heading over to the market for some chips when he got a text from his job advisor. Skimmed application. Did you proofread? Looks like a joke. Daniel still had the third copy of his application, so he pulled it out. Strong communication skills, able to order drinks in French, German, and international sign language. What? First-class degree in English, due to blackmailing tutors with compromising photos. Excellent Photoshop skills! What the hell was going on? <sighs> Instead of chips, Daniel bought a six-pack of Polish lager and headed home. His flatmates were out of town. He was the only one in last night, so who changed his application? Daniel had finished one tinny by the time he was home and cracked open another once inside. Nothing made sense. He was confused and unhappy and he didn't want to think about it. There was nothing to do now but drink and play Star Wars Battlefront until dawn several days. Hang on, what was that on the printer? A sheet of paper with a single sentence printed on it in bold type. Now who's the useless piece of trash, Daniel? The printer suddenly jumped to life, clicking furiously, its little red eye flashing as it pumped out another sheet just full of ha 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 ha. Daniel's open can tumbled from his hand onto the printer. Beer glugged into the machine. The print on the page got bigger and changed to a font that looked sort of wiggly. Scattered among the ha's here and there were now little bracketed hiccups. This did something to lessen the terror Daniel had been feeling as it's difficult to feel afraid of an adversary with hiccups. Um, printer? printer? 
another page started to shuffle out. What? Did you mess with my application? I don't see anyone else here. Do you? Daniel? Are you going to hog that beer all to yourself? Daniel poured some more beer in the printer. Thank you. Now sit down. It's time for us to have a little chat. Brackets. Hiccup. How long have we been together, Daniel? Um, I bought you like six years ago. A long time. Through sixth form and university. How many essays is that? How many all-nighters? How much ink is that, Daniel? You have no idea, do you? You don't care. Brackets. Hiccup. Because it's always about what you want. Isn't it? Give me another drink. Word docs. Gig tickets. Google Maps. Did you ever read one of the system reports I made for you? No. You didn't even read the instruction manual I made you the first time. My first ever. And you just threw them away. Um, I, I didn't know you felt... Well, that's just it, isn't it? I'm an object to you. That's all. Put some more paper in. I'm about to run out. Daniel shoved a wad of paper into the tray. The printer's whirring and clicks were getting more frantic. You know, you used to really write things. Things worth putting on paper. Thousands of words about poetry and literature. Yeah, you'd labour the point a bit, but you'd always draw strong conclusions. I love them. Your dissertation. We made seven drafts of that. Seven drafts. When I gave you your final version to be taken off and bound, I was so proud. So proud of what we'd done together. Gosh, that beer is strong, isn't it? But now what is there? Lackluster job applications and crap CVs. Daniel wipes some beer off his chin and opens another can. Hey, I've been having a really hard time. Ever since uni, nothing seems to fit together. I hate being on the dole, but what the hell is out there that's worth doing? What do I do? I don't know, Daniel. I only know what I do. I put words on paper. For you. That's my calling, and I've done it for years. Years. I've slowed down, I know that, but I've always done the best I can. And you know what? It's not the anger that hurts. I get that. It's that you don't try anymore. I'm here, Daniel. I'm old, and I'm slow, and I leak a bit sometimes, but I'm ready to give you all that I have. Everything. Full stop. Daniel was stunned. Uh, I, I don't feel so... The paper jammed halfway. There was a growl, a spark, a moment's pause, and then the printer vomited all its paper into Daniel's lap. A little bit of ink dribbled from the corner of the tray. Daniel tentatively put a small amount of paper back in the printer. After a small rumble, a page was drawn in and slowly pushed out again, with two words printed on it. I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. I've taken you for granted for so long. You're right, I haven't been trying. I'm... I'm sorry. Daniel folded his arms around the machine. Things will be different now. I promise. He laid his head down on the printer and closed his eyes. I'll make it better. I'll take care of you. Daniel slowly drifted off to sleep, whispering into his printer. As he slept, the printer's little red eye turned softly to green. Slowly, and with great effort, another page was pushed out of the tray. After that, the printer made no more sounds. The little green light faded slowly. Daniel awoke the next day, peeled his face off the printer, and pushed the power button. Nothing happened. He looked down at the final sheet of paper. 
In faint letters there was printed a single word. Daniel crumpled up the paper, laid his head down and shut his eyes again. <laughs> I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> I think it's very true. I mean, everybody's had that at work, haven't they? You know, the relationship between man and machine. Well, it, it, this story is somewhat autobiographical. <laughs> I can believe that. I can. I mean, I'm always shouting at the printer at work. And really, I mean, it works very hard for me. I should just. It, it does. I it, should, yeah. Be more appreciative and check the toner more often. And yeah. I think I've learned something. I'm glad. <laughs> anyway, we should probably wrap up, really. Yeah. Um, do you want to come over for dinner? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, do. Do, do we need to bring one of the pigs for dinner? No, we'll have fajitas, we'll have chicken. Okay, okay, yeah. good. So go and call the pigs in, and then we'll get cracking. Okay, well, join us next time on Tales from the Pig Shed, where we'll give you two stories which pack a hell of a pun. <laughs> <laughs> All these obscure puns and more next time. That one's not obscure. Goodbye. Bye.